0: Hey, y'all, I'm Lauren Terry, and welcome to Livestock Photography Unleashed, a marketing podcast dedicated to the agricultural industry. Join me as we explore industry trends, discuss marketing strategies, and dive into the art of photography, transforming your ranch experiences into compelling stories. Every frame is a chance to tell your story. Let's make it unforgettable. Hello and welcome to another episode. I am so grateful that you are here with us today and I cannot wait to dive into today's topic. It is gonna be all about livestock photography gear essentials and also just kind of like beginner gear essentials. If you're just getting into this photography thing, what do I need? what's all of that look like besides just a camera and lenses what else do i need and then also i'm going to give my suggestions across the board with that as well so the biggest thing to remember with all of this is take it with a grain of salt every single individual is going to have gear that they prefer and that's just the way it is i have my recommendations that are my ride or dies and you cannot really convince me to switch because i love them but I have other people who absolutely love completely opposite things. So it just depends on where you are in your journey. And then also if you're just starting out, don't feel pressured into buying a completely brand new setup. It is completely fine to go and buy used equipment, um, borrow equipment, all of those things like that, which we are going to talk about today. So, Camera and lenses. I'm gonna give my suggestion. So I shoot on a Nikon Z7 II. It is a mirrorless camera, and I absolutely love it. I made the switch from a D750, a Nikon D750, um, last year to this Z7 II, and I love it. The mirrorless frames are wonderful. I could not recommend them more, especially if you are buying a new camera. Um, you can buy abused mirrorless or go buy a brand new mirrorless because DSLRs are really going out um, and mirrorless are coming in for a lot of photographers and they really do make a difference. So I highly, highly, highly suggest getting a mirrorless camera of some sort and then just go look at the specs that the different mirrorless cameras offer and see what you need. Um, I really like the Z7 II because of its autofocus capability and video capability and um, just a lot of other fine tuning specs that I enjoy about it. So yes, that is my main camera body. I have two of those and then my lenses that I suggest. So for livestock photography, you can really get away with just having one lens and you'll be good. And that is gonna be a 70 to 200 lens, 2.8 f-stop, okay? It needs to be that 2.8 because that 2.8 is what's going to give you the nice creamy backgrounds um, on your photos, okay? So you can get away with just having that lens, a 70 to 200. That is going to be a like really zoom in lens that you can get shots from really far away. Okay. The next lens I suggest is a 24 to 70. So with this lens, this is like an example of a lens that I use to take sale photos especially if I'm a lot closer to the animal. And then it is also a lens that I use to take backdrop photos or things like that. I continuously switch back and forth between the two lenses depending on what I am doing. But that 70-200, to just remember, it's gonna give you a lot more. You can stand a lot further back. You're gonna be able to get a lot closer to the animal with that lens. And then with the 24-70, to it is definitely a wide angle lens. So you can get away with just those two. If you want one more lens that is a prime lens, I highly suggest starting out um, a budget friendly option is gonna be a 50 millimeter lens. The next one that I would upgrade to after that is gonna be a 35, at least for Nikon users. Those are my favorites. Um, Canon users have like an 85 that's really, really, really nice for a prime lens, but those are going to be your next step options. Those are really good for portrait photography and things like that. The nice thing about the range lenses, like the 24 to 70s and 70 to 200s, is they give you a, um, you can be really flexible on the fly with them without having to move your physical body. You're able to zoom in and out on that lens. So the next thing we've already talked about a, we've already talked about lighting in livestock photography. If you missed that episode, please go back um, just a couple episodes to the lighting one and there'll be more information on it there, but I will give all of the links to the lighting that we talked about. So the independent studio lighting, I'll give links to that. Then the on-camera continuous light, and then also my on-camera continuous flash, not continuous flash, on-camera flash. With the on-camera flash, that is the next thing I suggest you purchasing. Um, Everything else is not needed unless you're going to be in a studio environment. Um, Flashes are really, really handy in sale pens, guys. As we talked about in the lighting episode, they can help you out in a pinch. And they're also going to be really great for livestock shows where you're most of the time going to be in low lighting situations. Okay. So with that flash, I have an SB 5000. Yes, Nikon SB 5000. Um, so that's a speed light 5000. And that is the one I suggest for my Nikon users. Um, I know there's a really good Godox one that I could get The one I have right now works because I don't do a ton of flash situations where I really need that one and I'm really comfortable with it. So again, something that find what you're comfortable with and go from there, but don't skimp out on a flash just because they have really cheaper options because with a flash, the biggest thing is going to be it syncing between the flash and the camera, like when the actual flash goes off and when your camera is taking the photo, need to be synced, okay? And with those lower cost, low budget flashes, you're going to get it synced like half of the time and your photos just aren't going to turn out consistent or anything like that. And you're going to be cursing on the back end when you thought that you could just auto sync all of your flash photos to be pretty similar. And every single one of them is different. So that is another thing that do not skimp out on that. The next thing is going to be tripods and stabilizers, okay? So if you are doing sale photos or videos, please, please, please get a tripod and monopod. Um, I have a really great tripod monopod combo, and I will link that below in the blog, okay? So this tripod and monopod, I just upgraded to it last year because I had another tripod before that that I was like, this... it whenever I would move it, when I was doing videos, it was like, it didn't move smoothly. It would do, um, like pulling grabs is what I would call them. Like it was really, really choppy and wasn't smooth at all. I was like, this is not working (laughs) for videos. Cause I was really doing a ton of livestock videos. And I was like, this, this is just not working. We have to do something different. And so I invested in this really amazing tripod that I love now guys. And the really thing, the nice thing I like about it is it can be tripod and monopod. So if I need to move around, I can use it as a monopod. And then, um, for videos, it is super smooth, super agile. I feel super safe having my camera on there. Um, it locks in really nicely, but then if I need to get out of the way in a pinch, it has an emergency Remover where I can get my camera off of there and ditch the tripod because you know what? I'd rather replace the tripod if a bull's coming after me than my entire camera. <clears throat> so that's the tripod I recommend and monopod combo. Um, you can also, if you're doing a lot of video work, I highly suggest investing in a stabilizer for your camera. So, what this is going to be is it is going to be an external. Um, thing that you put your camera on, and it is going to, as you move, it is going to keep that camera perfectly steady. Okay. And so I typically I will rent a stabilizer if I'm going to be doing a really big video project because I don't own one yet. They are a pretty big investment, but renting is always an option if you aren't going to be doing it a ton. And I know a lot of colleges too, if you're a college student, you can rent these stabilizers from your college as well. I have a friend who she currently does that because she's in college, just rents it from them, um, checks it out pretty much. Like I don't know if she even has to pay for it. So definitely check into that if you're a college student. But know that on the back end, you can stabilize these videos in um, Premiere Pro. It is possible. But with that, it's always a lot easier on yourself if you're stable on the front end, rather than have to having to stabilize on the back end. Because when you use the stabilizer in Premiere Pro, it, it can be kind of wonky sometimes. So just remember, it's always easier to Get it done right the first time. But if you don't have another option, Premiere Pro can always kind of save you on the back end. The next thing we're going through this really quickly, guys, it's going to be a short episode, but camera bag and other little accessories, Okay, So the biggest thing with camera bags is find one that fits what you need, Okay. So when I first started out, I had a camera bag that was pretty fashionable, cute, and small, all right? It didn't have a ton of room for camera stuff, and that was fine when I just had my camera body and one lens, all right? It worked fine then. As I expanded to now having like five lenses, two camera bodies, flashes, all of this other stuff, I had to get a bigger camera bag. So find one that is going to be right for you, right for how much camera equipment you have, and also just have any other capabilities that you need it to. It needs to also have pretty good padding, okay? Um, Don't get a camera bag that is just like super, super duper thin on the edges. You are having it carry around some of the most expensive things you will own. Um, Make sure that it is protecting them properly while they are in that if you are traveling, I always like, if you're going on a plane, I always, always, always suggest making sure that that camera and all of your gear is your carry on. If you're using a backpack, have that as your personal item that you put underneath the seat in front of you. And then, um, if you do have enough equipment that you need to check it, I really like the Pelican cases. Um, and there's a few other hard shell rolling cases that are really great for camera equipment and things like that. So do your own research on those, find what works best for you in your situation and kind of what you need that camera bag to hold. Um, the next thing is really small items that sometimes you don't think about, but, um, SD cards, QXD cards, um, camera lenses like camera lens wipes and all of the little things like that. Um, canned air, things that are going to save your life, um, in a pinch, because I cannot tell you how many times I've been stuck wiping my lens with a dirty shirt that I'm wearing from being in the barn all day. And I'm like, this isn't doing anything. So make sure you're carrying camera lens wipes with you. And then also SD cards, it's really important to have high quality ones that run at a fast speed. I will link the ones that I use in the blog for SD cards and then also um, QXD and CF Express cards. If your camera has the option to utilize those, highly, highly, highly suggest investing in that. Not only are you going to get better video quality for longer utilizing those, but also your back-end processing time is going to be significantly decreased because the cards are so big and run so fast. When you are copying them onto your camera, it does it in practically seconds. Okay. So it saves a lot of time because sometimes those SD cards, like if you're transferring over big, big files or thousands of photos, it can take up to an hour sometimes to transfer all of those photos over to your external hard drive. And with that, the next thing I suggest is an external hard drive for you to utilize on all of your photos. Keep everything stored there because our computers do not have the space or the capability to store all of our photos. Even if you are storing them on an online location, like a cloud or a Dropbox or things like that, I still, still, still highly suggest using an external hard drive because an external hard drive, mine is two terabytes. Okay. My computer I think is only 64 gigabytes. And so my external hard drive is going to house hundreds of times more what I need than what my computer could ever do. And therefore, because my computer isn't storing all of those photos and having to, um, take up space on it, it's gonna run faster in the processing side. So when I'm going into Lightroom and I'm editing these photos, it is going to be a lot faster of a process to edit and process because Lightroom is gonna be able to run fast because it's off of my computer, whereas the photos are being stored on that hard drive. The next thing, um, talking about Lightroom, is your editing software that you are going to utilize. So if you are a photographer, you need Lightroom Classic. Um, there's no, if, ands, or who he about it, guys, I'm sorry. I know it can be a little bit of an investment in the Adobe suite, but I promise you it is worth it. If you are a student, you get a discount on Adobe suite. So please, please, please make sure you are using your school email and getting that EDU discount. It saves you a ton of money. And the nice thing with Adobe suite is my mom and I both use, um, the same account and that frees up a lot of ability with that as well. And so it's a business write off for me. Remember that. I know it's not an excuse for everything, but it is a business write off. And with Adobe suite, the things that I use, so I use Lightroom classic for editing photos. I use premiere pro for editing videos. And then I use Adobe Audition for editing audios. So all of the audio that I'm editing with this podcast is edited through Audition, videos through Premiere Pro, and then photos through Lightroom Classic. And then also you're gonna need Photoshop. Photoshop is what is going to give you the ability to remove any background objects that are distracting in the image or um, fix any closed eyes or things like that, you are going to be able to do all of that in Photoshop. So that is what you're gonna use to fine tune, edit those photos that you edited in Lightroom Classic, and then you're gonna take them to Photoshop and finish it off there. That is also where I put my um, Triple T Showboat Media Co brand, watermark, whatever you want to call it, at the bottom of the photos that I take. And with that, guys, please like watermarks and brands are really good to have on photos. I feel like because it's like in comparison, I guess you could say it is like an artist signing their work. Okay. I am an artist and I am just signing my work by doing that, but make them small and don't make them like absolutely take over the image. When I say that, I mean, maybe take down the transparency a little bit, maybe make it smaller so it's not right in your face. People are going to know that it's there, but it doesn't need to be the first thing that people's eyes go to because it is so bold or so big or just in the wrong position. So people are going to know what your brand looks like. Just make sure that it's not overpowering that image. But um, Photoshop is where I would do that. So... We kind of went over a lot of things today. We went over basic gear, went over what lenses you need, all of the things like that. I suggest the camera brands, either Nikon, Canon, or Sony. I am diehard a Nikon person. I Personally, in my personal experience editing both Canon photos and Nikon photos, I think Nikon does a better job at getting crisp, really, really crisp photos, whereas Canon does a better job at getting the colors in a photo really, really, really well. And then Sony is going to be a really great video option, and then also just an all-around photo option. I know a lot of my fellow photographers out there that just do portrait photography or weddings or stuff like that shoot on Sony. Um... So you're not gonna go wrong with any of the above options. Do your research on each individually. Find what camera is going to work best for what you need. But I highly, highly, highly suggest mirrorless. And then also looking for used options. So where you can find some really reputable used options are things like borrowlenses.com is where I rent all of my gear from. So borrowlenses.com, I will put a link down below Go and rent your gear before you purchase it from there, okay? So they're going to have hundreds of camera body options, hundreds of lens options, all of those things. You can rent it for an entire week or just three days for super cheap, and they're going to ship it to you. You use it, and they give you a shipping label, and you ship it right back, okay? So highly, highly, highly suggest going and test driving a bunch of different camera body options. Get it for a couple days in the middle of the week, And get four or five different camera body options, four or five different lenses, and just go out and shoot and just try them all out and figure out what works best for you. BorrowLenses.com also has a used section where you can purchase. So after you have taken everything for a test drive, you figured out which model, which style you want, all of those things, go and look at their use section first. They have a really reputable use section. And then also um, B&H Photo has a really reputable use section. Um, and there's a few other camera stores online that you're going to be safe getting used equipment from. Just do your own research when you're doing that. Like use, use your brain, make sure that it's a reputable site, make sure it has reviews, all of these things that it's not coming from the backwoods of Thailand. Make sure that, um, you're going to be safe putting your information in there. And then there's also options of using Facebook groups that are buy, sell, buy, sell, and resell Facebook groups. Those can be iffy sometimes because you're, there's going to be spammers in there, but then also use your right judgment. You might be able to find a really good deal on things. Um, cause there are some really reputable resellers that sell through those Facebook groups as well. But I always suggest, uh, borrow lenses or BNH photo first because they have warranties or guarantees on those items that you're going to get, um, and things like that. Also just shop deals on the cameras. If you are buying new, try and find a student discount, try and find a, um, I don't know, a new year discount. We're coming into the new year. Maybe wait and see if there's some new year discounts or I know, um, Best Buy has been doing sales on lenses and cameras only like two or $300 off, but, in the grand scheme of things that the two or $300, you can get the extended warranty for that or something like that. So girl mouth, right? Um, but seriously, guys, just go do your own research, go test it out. These are my favorites. Um, my or dies. I will link them below and I will also link my mic and audio equipment below. And we will, I hope that this was beneficial to you guys and that you got something from it. If you have any questions, as always, my DMs and my contact form are completely open for you guys to shoot some questions in. I've been loving being able to help a few of you out with um, those questions that you have had come up thus far. Please, if you enjoyed today's episode, like, subscribe, leave a review, follow the podcast. I appreciate every single one of you for being here. And until next time, friends, we'll chat soon.